Father, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your love and forgiveness. I thank you for what you have done. And God, we look back on all of this and we see what you did. The people of that day were looking ahead. They were looking forward. They were seeing what was yet to come. We have seen it. We know it. We understand it. We read the scriptures. We believe it. Um, we exercise our faith in you through your son for that salvation. And Father, we're thankful for that. And God, as we prepare for, um, for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, God, help us to remember that your son did come. And help us to remember that there are other people out there waiting, waiting and not knowing that Christmas is not about all of the stuff that they get and all of the meals that they have and the family get-togethers. It's about your son, Jesus Christ, and him being born of a virgin, placed in a manger, living a perfect, sinless life, dying so that we can have eternal life. Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know if you have seen the, um, the, the plans for Christmas Eve, but this morning and next Sunday, we're not reading the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. That's going to happen on Christmas Eve. And I, I know that it's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Almost sacrilege. I would say sinful, but not quite. Almost sacrilege to not read Luke chapter 2 some morning uh, in church. So if you feel that way, forgive me. Because uh, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25 today. And this Friday evening, Christmas Eve, we'll read the Luke chapter 2. And then after that, we're going to read about um, uh, them taking Jesus to the temple on the 26th. Um, so if you have your Bibles, open your Bible to Matthew chapter 1. Uh, because what I'm trying to do, as you know, is, um, is follow a chronological timeline. And to get through all of the stories that have anything to do with the birth of Christ. And so, um, so we're here now, and we're going to read the story of what happened to Joseph, okay? And so if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 1, and stand with me as I read Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make of her a public example, was minded to put her away, away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus." For he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the faithfulness of your word. Help us, Father, to hear it, to know it, to understand it, and to believe it. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we jump into that, I want you to take a look. I didn't want to read all of the... Uh, how many of you love the genealogies? Anybody? You love reading through the genealogies? Anybody? We've got three do, that do. And um, anybody? Because I love Leviticus, but I don't love the genealogies, okay? All right? Um, 
And, and so, but I'm going to take a look real quickly, and we'll just read a few of these, and then we'll get down to verse 16. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Notice what he calls him, son of David. Okay, Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Dot, 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 on down to 16, because you don't need to read all those right now. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Notice the change. Notice that, that when it gets down to Joseph and to Jesus, it doesn't say, and Joseph begot Jesus. Okay, because Jesus is not a begotten son of Joseph. Jesus is the only begotten son of God. Okay, and so it's very important that that, that and to Matthew that he makes this clear. Okay, Matthew was a Jew writing to Jews about a Jew, and he wanted them to understand that this Jew Jesus, about whom he is writing to them, was um, not the illegitimate son of a young girl. He wanted to make sure that they understood that there was nothing promiscuous about her life, that she was the kind of girl that every one of them would dream for their boys to marry, okay? And he wanted them to understand that Jesus Christ was not conceived in that way, but he was conceived in the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit of God. And so when he gets to this point, and he's got to be truthful, right? I mean, you have to be truthful when you're writing Scripture. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God is guiding you. All right, so he's truthful about this, that Joseph did not beget or begat Jesus, but Jesus Christ was born of Mary by the Holy Spirit, okay? So we, we see that, and, and we get that, and we understand that, um, and, and there's some important things with all of this, because if Jesus had been born of man, he would have had the sinful nature, and he would have never been able to live a perfect, sinless life. Okay, now there's something that we see about all this, and I, I've written it in my notes somewhere, don't know where they are, but maybe I'll get to it, um, but in case I don't, you see, when we're saved, when the Spirit of God begins to dwell in us because we've repented of our sin and trusted Christ for salvation, we become like that too. We still have the propensity and the possibility to sin, but we also have the possibility to, um, to resist temptation, to endure temptation and resist sin. You see, there are only two people uh, in the history of the world that had that before the Spirit of God began to dwell in us, and that was Adam. He was created that way. He had the possibility in him, because God made him that way, that he could endure temptation and resist sin and not sin. He chose otherwise, and that's why Jesus had to come. But Jesus was born and lived with that possibility that he could live a perfect, sinless life, and that's how he lived his life. And so we've got to see that that's partly why, um, why Matthew wrote, and Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Because he, he was not conceived by the help of man, but by the help of the Holy Spirit of God. Okay, so uh, now we move into 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. The birth of Jesus Christ. Um, and it doesn't really tell us a whole lot about the birth. It tells us about the conception and the time up to that. But the birth of Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, okay, Jesus the Messiah, because that's what the word Christ means. Oh, by the way, what does the word Jesus mean? It means Savior. It means to save. Um, it, it, um, it, it is a word that, uh, that when the, the Hebrew people were to look at that word, they would think of the possibility that they would be saved from everything, okay? And we're going to talk a little bit more about that a little bit later. But Jesus Christ, Messiah. The birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. Now, the name Jesus, 
is a name that was given to him. Christ is not a name, okay? Christ is a title. Christ means the same as Messiah. Uh, Christ or Christos in the Greek is the same as the Hebrew word Messiah or uh, in, 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 the, in the Hebrew, okay? Uh, and they both mean anointed one. They both mean the, the, the one who's anointed by God. And so Jesus is the anointed one, the one anointed by God. And so um, he's recognized, and you look in, in here in Matthew 1, 16, and you look at it, and, and three other places, I believe, he accepts the title of Messiah in uh, Matthew 16, 17, Mark 14, 61, and John 4, 26, okay? And the people of that time looked at Messiah as at least four different things. They saw the Messiah as the one who would um, be the leader from David's line, who would free the Jewish nation. They would establish their own rule. They would be the ones that now were in charge of their own destiny. But they hadn't been for such a long time that they were longing for that. They were, um, uh, they were hungry to rule themselves. Uh, and, and, and so when they, and you, you read about it in, um, uh, in the scriptures that there was a, a, a Messiah that was prophesied. And they wanted that so badly. They wanted that Messiah to come save them from all of the other nations, to rescue them from the rule by the Romans and any other nations, to set them up as their own nation again as in their glory days. And so that was the first thing. Nationally, he was to be the leader from David's line, would free them and establish them as an independent nation. He was to be a great military leader. That's what they thought. You see some of the, the, the misunderstandings that they had about who Messiah was. I mean, Jesus wasn't a military leader. I mean, he had all the ability to do that if he wanted to, but his kingdom was not of this world, okay? And so he wasn't going to be a military leader who would lead armies victoriously all over the world. Now, one day when he comes again, he will lead that great army, but he was not that military leader then. Religiously, he was to be a supernatural figure. He was going to come straight from God and bring righteousness all over the earth. And we see that in some, to some extent, he did those things. He healed, he raised the dead, he gave sight to the blind man, you know, all of those things, okay? But they understood righteousness at that point as being right with God by following their uh, laws and by following their religious rules. Personally, he was going to be the one that was going to bring peace in the whole world, okay? And he accepted that, that title, Messiah. Um, but we see there are some other things about him, okay? Uh, the title of Messiah identifies him as a prophet. It identifies him as a priest. It identifies him as king, um, and, and, you know, prophet, priest, and king. Um, there's a song that I used to listen to. I don't listen to it very much anymore. It's by um, uh, some group I can't remember the name of. Yeah, they're from Duluth. Um, each one of them is because he sings about prophet, priest, and king. Apparently, he wrote a letter to the president with all due respect, uh, penciled and packaged with all due respect, uh, Elvis commemorative just for effect. Right? You got this? You know who it is? Uh, and never heard back. Think you know a guy, he says. He said, um, I wired my congrats to Chuck and Die some time ago. Uh, never got a note. My invitation was lost in the mail. But I know they missed me when they kissed neath the veil. All right? Now, I'm getting somewhere with this because the song does too. He says, but every day I pray to a longtime friend, a prophet, priest, and king, in the middle of buckets and brooms, I kneel on the floor, and I don't remember the exact words now, and I pray to my Messiah, Jesus Christ, prophet, priest, and king. And I don't know about you, but to me that's cool. 
It doesn't matter what everybody else in the world thinks about us. It doesn't matter whether all these important people who think they're important, whether they'll get back to you or send a note or whatever or even a thank you or just think of you. Oh, here's that. Throw that letter away. This is from a nobody. You know, it doesn't matter because we can, in the middle of buckets and brooms, pray to, and the word he uses there is a groom because Jesus Christ is the groom. We are the bride of the church. And, and to pray to him and worship him as prophet, priest, and king. You can see these and look these up, Deuteronomy 18, 15, where, where it talks about him being a prophet. And go to Luke chapter 3, um, uh, all the way 24 to 38. You can see uh, where, where it's talked about him fulfilling those prophecies, being the prophet, priest, and king. Psalm 110, 4 talks about him becoming a, a priest. Second uh, Samuel uh, 7, 13, and 14 talks about the fact that the Messiah will also be a king. And, and so go to those, read those. Um, and the Messiah and these other officials, the prophet, the priest, and the king, they were anointed with oil. Jesus Christ wasn't anointed with oil. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit of God from the time of conception on, anointed with the Holy Spirit of God. And so we see that he is Messiah, Jesus Christ. And his birth was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed. Oh no, there's that word again. You know, don't talk about betrothal, Curtis. I have to. I have to because I just, I, I love that idea of betrothal and there's, there's things that we think about with this and, um, and, and you, you look in John chapter 14, uh, 1 through 6 and Jesus said, um, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am you may be also. In my Father's house there are many mansions, okay? And, and it is the picture of a groom going back home after the covenant was cut. You remember, a betrothal requires a cutting of a covenant or required a cutting of a covenant. They would take the animals. They would bleed the animals and make a blood path. They would walk through that blood path, okay? And they would get the blood on the hem of their garments. And the father of the bride and the father of the groom would agree that these two were gonna get married. And once the, uh, the, the, the young man and the young woman walked through that blood path and agreed to it, the covenant was set. It was strong. In fact, when you look at it here, you notice what he says. Um, uh, after his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And it says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. So a betrothal was so serious in their days that they were already considered uh, husband and wife. They were already considered united. They were already considered one, even though they had not yet uh, consummated that marriage, okay? And so, um, and so when it talks about this, that this betrothal time, see, there's so much more I could go on with this, okay? Because Jesus is going to come back. And I believe that we are in that betrothal time, if you will. We have covenanted ourselves to Jesus. He has covenanted himself to us. He walked through that path of blood, getting the blood on the hems of his garments, and he committed himself to us. And when we come to that point in our life when we say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for us. I believe that if I repent of my sins and trust in you, you will forgive me of my sins and you'll give me eternal life. We then have covenanted with him and we are then betrothed in a, in a word to Jesus Christ, the groom, as the church, the bride of Christ. And I think we're in that betrothal time. When he has returned to heaven, he's preparing a place for us. And when we as the bride, we're learning to live like the bride of Christ ought to live. And honestly, if we're not learning to live like the bride of Christ ought to live, then you have to wonder if we're really betrothed. Because when a, a bride would, would 
become betrothed to a man in that time, she would go back home. She would go back home to her mother and her father, and she would remain under her mother's teachings, and she would learn everything she needed to learn to become a good Jewish wife. The man would go home. He would either build a new house or build onto his father's house, and when it was ready, his father would say, go get your wife. And they would go get her. They would have the, the marriage ceremony. The marriage would be consummated. They would celebrate for at least a week with their friends and their family. And one day, Jesus is going to come to get us. And he's going to take us back to be with him forever, for eternity in heaven. And we'll celebrate, and we'll worship, and we'll serve Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, Messiah. So after Mo his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, before they consummated the marriage, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. I've got to ask you a question. If <clears throat> How would you feel, men? I mean, seriously. You've made this covenant, okay? And this covenant is a covenant uh, that if you broke it, you broke it on the pain of death, okay? And see, that's sort of the thing about Jesus. We broke that covenant with him, and he died. He was the one, not, didn't cut two animals in half and bleed the path with those animals and then walk through it. He was the one who died. It was his blood that he walked through, okay? And so with a covenant for marriage, it was a covenant upon death. You know, if you broke that covenant, then you could be put to death. Not just for the fact that, that, um, uh, that, that you had been unfaithful, that you had committed adultery, okay? But you could be put to death just for breaking that covenant because you made that pledge to your spouse, to your husband or to your wife. And so um, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's important that we understand that, and we know that already. We have that knowledge, we have that information, that this child that she was bearing, that was conceived in her, was of the Holy Spirit, but Joseph didn't know that yet. Joseph, at this, at this point, wasn't in the know. Now, how would you feel, men? I mean, seriously. And thankfully, I mean, w you know, we haven't gone through that. Somebody may have, I haven't. Um, how would you feel if the woman to whom you are engaged comes up and says, or somebody tells you, you know, she's pregnant and it's uh, so-and-so's, how would you feel? I don't know about you, but I'd be, I'd be furious. I'd feel betrayed, you know? I mean, it's, I mean he, he had paid the bride price. He had made the commitment and the covenant and set the, um, and, 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 and began to work on the house. And it wasn't just that it was her, it, it, that she was his betrothed. She was his, um, uh, his bride-to-be. She was his betrothed, and she also was his beloved. This wasn't just a contract you sign that you agree to pay a certain amount to, to use a cell phone, okay? This was, for him, it was, it was a time of love and concern. And so, I mean, there's, there's several things that he could feel. He could be furious. He could be confused, not understanding what all was going on. We could turn that around and go, what about you women? How would you feel? You know, if, if you're a man, uh, you're engaged to be married, and you find out that your uh, fiancé has fathered another child during the time there, especially that you're engaged, how would you feel? You know, and we can, we can kind of get a picture of how Joseph must have felt through all of this. I mean, he had made the covenant. You know, and it's not just a, a, a covenant with her, it was. But it was also a covenant with her family. 
And her covenant was a covenant with him and a covenant with his family. But even more than that, they were Jews. And this covenant they had made, they had made not just with each other, not just with each other's families, but with God the Father, Yahweh. And you can see how, um, how he would have felt perplexed, troubled, disappointed. And, you know, and, 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 and at this point, he didn't know that the child, that Jesus, the baby going to be born to her, was of the Holy Spirit. He had no clue. And so the Bible tells us that, that then Joseph, her husband, again, you see, he's not listed as her fiancé or as her betrothed, but he's listed there as her husband, showing again um, the, uh, the strength to which this covenant uh, was supposed to hold them together. Joseph, her husband, being a just man. Isn't that the kind of guy you want to marry, girls? Isn't that the kind of guy you want your daughters to marry, a just man? One, one that's, um, that's going to keep himself faithful, one that's going to be the kind of husband that, um, uh, I mean, seriously, that you want your daughters to have. Being a just man and not wanting to make a public, her a public example was minded to put her away secretly. He considered it. He thought about it. He didn't know any other way, um, didn't know what to do, didn't want to embarrass her, didn't want her to be stoned and put to death, was going to put her away secretly. You think about this, and, and maybe so, more so in the, uh, up into the 60s when you had a, a friend, a young lady who, who became with child. And what would mom and dad do? Often until 73, they would send her away somewhere else to carry that baby to term and then give it up to, for adoption because they didn't want anybody to be embarrassed. So he was doing what he could or thought he, he would do what he could to keep her from being embarrassed because he was a just man. He knew that something needed to be done, that he couldn't marry her if this child was what he thought, who he thought. But he didn't want to embarrass her. And the Bible tells us in verse 20, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Don't you love that? While he thought about these things. And I can, can, uh, can see that this word thought could also be, um, and it doesn't mean it in the, in the text, but he thought about it, he prayed about it. We believe that he was a just man and he was not only going on his own thinking and his own wisdom, he was going on the wisdom of God the Father and praying to God. God, what should I do? What do you want me to do? How's this going to work out? How are we going to do this? And God sent an angel. Notice it doesn't say that it's the angel Gabriel. We don't have a name for this one, but he sent an angel, a messenger, a messenger to take care of, of uh, the, um, the predicament that Joseph found himself in. And you see, you got to look at this and see some of these things. First of all, um, you know, he was thinking deeply on this. He didn't just go out and make some rash decision. Can you imagine in his anger and his frustration and his embarrassment and in his, in his pain, he had rushed to the house of Mary and her father and mother and said, it's over, forget it, I'm done. No, instead of using his own, I mean, he went to God. He went to God and God met him. God met him when he took time to be alone and to consider and to ponder and to pray what was going on and what he needs to do. God sent an angel. And I love this picture here because what we see, and we, we got a few things that, that are happening in this. He looks at it and he says, Joseph, son of David. Wait, we've heard that before. The genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. 
Now, can you imagine how a Hebrew would feel when they heard that phrase? I mean, you can read all these. It's what, 14 generations from Abraham to David and 14 from David to the captivity in Babylon and 14 from Babylon until Christ. 14, 14, 14. And, and, and yet from the very beginning, the son of David to this one, Joseph, the son of David. He kind of hears that and it's like, okay, that's a phrase that's used um, to identify Messiah. Not that Joseph was Messiah, but that he was of that lineage and he was going to bear the Messiah. We can see that, um, that Joseph probably was pretty shocked when he heard that. Uh, and that he was, um, if you will, he became aware of the call that God had put on his life to raise Jesus Christ, to raise the Son of God, to be his earthly father and to take care of him. Um, the Jews knew the prophecies that the Messiah would be of the line of David. And to hear himself addressed as Joseph, son of David, probably got his attention, you know. Joseph, son of David. Wait, what? Joseph, son of David. Do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. And so we see, uh, because that which conceived is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So first of all, uh, the angel came to give him assurance, to let him know that, guess what? You're a man. Yes, you're uh, of the lineage of David. And you're going to be the earthly uh, caretaker of my son, but you're a man and I'm God. I've got it all taken care of. I've got it all worked out. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about what people will say. Joseph, I've got it all taken care of. To give him assurance and to guide him, to give him some guidance. You know, um, uh, there are times in my life when I'm just not sure what to do. Most of the time I just go take a nap. Sometimes I call somebody that I know I can trust because sometimes I need their wisdom. I need their answers. Put some prayer in and call those people that can give me some help and give me some guidance in those difficulties. The angel came to give him, uh, to explain what was going on. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. What did he think? Probably that she had been unfaithful, that she had spent some time with another man even though she had covenanted to be to become his bride. No, the angel says that's not what happened. The baby that's growing in her womb is conceived by the Holy Spirit. She's been faithful. And, and to reveal the destiny, okay? Who is this son going to be? She will bring forth a son. First gender reveal, right? And you shall call his name Jesus. Jesus, Savior. The, um, the, and, and most of the time when they thought of that, that word Savior, Jesus, they were thinking of a, um, of deliverance being saved from something terrible, some crazy disaster. Uh, who's going to be our Savior? Somebody that would come and would stop all of that and fix all of that problems. But we see that he gives more than this. He will save his people from his sins. You will call him Jesus, Savior, for he will save his people from his sins. Now, we talk about this a little bit and see um, the, the meaning of this. The word save or salvation means to deliver. Um, and the idea of his people here is not the Hebrew people. He's not just going to save only the Hebrew people. He's going to save all of those who come to him in faith. All right? So he will save his people 
from their sins. And I got I to gotta hit this a little bit because you think about this idea, um, and you've seen so many people do it. You've seen people come to church, and maybe they come for a long time. Maybe they come to vacation Bible school, little kids, and sometimes, sometimes adults, and, and you share the gospel with them, and they come, I need to pray to give my life to Jesus. I don't want to go to hell. Okay, so they know they've sinned. They know they've done something wrong. They know they've been offensive to a holy, righteous God. And they come forward and they, then they pray a prayer. Um, <clears throat> and maybe they're sincere. Maybe they really understand that they've, um, that they've offended God and that they need to pray and, and ask his forgiveness. And so they come and they pray and, and they get baptized. And then you don't see them. Maybe they, you know, I've heard one of the best ways to get rid of somebody is baptize them and they're out the door, you know. Now, now I don't take to that, okay. I don't take to that, all right. I don't, I don't think that's a good idea or a good philosophy to follow, but sometimes it happens. And the reason it happens sometimes is because all they want, often, a lot of people, is they want to get rid of the consequences and the guilt of sin. Okay? That's what they want. They want to know that or, or believe that I've prayed that prayer and I've gotten baptized and now I don't have to worry about it. When I die, I'm going to go to heaven. I don't have to worry about hell. Sometimes that's what people want. But that's not what being saved from sin really means. Because there's more to that, okay? There's more to it than that. Um, being saved from sins also means that we're saved from the power and the bondage of sin, okay? And this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. Because when we're saved, the Holy Spirit begins to live in us, begins to dwell in us. And He is the one who gives us the power to what? To endure temptation and resist sin, okay? But He does. And you know what's interesting about that? <laughs> if you're saved... You now have what Adam had and what Jesus had, the ability to, uh, uh, to endure temptation and resist sin. And so we need to. I mean, just do it, right? When that temptation comes, endure it. When that, uh, uh, that possibility to sin comes our way, resist. Turn from it. Flee, right? Get away from it. Run from it. Because guess what? The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to resist and to endure and to live a life that God calls us to live and that's not a life of sin. So, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated God with us. So now we see the end of the conversation between uh, the angel and between Joseph, and we see the commentary of Matthew telling why it was done and why it happened, because guess what? There was a prophecy, and God has to fulfill prophecy, doesn't he? And this is the prophecy that's being fulfilled, and this is how it's being fulfilled, with Jesus coming, born of a virgin, to save his people from their sins. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife. Not his betrothed, not his fiance, his wife. But it's interesting because it says at the end of this verse, here in, in verse 25, he took to him his wife and did not know her. In other words, didn't consummate the marriage, didn't have sexual relations with her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. You see, what we have is a miraculous conception, a miraculous birth, <laughs> and miraculous in, in, in so many ways. Miraculous in the fact that, um, that uh, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. I mean, if, if God can, can create the world by spoken word, why can he not do that, right? But it's still a miracle. It's something that men, mankind don't see. 
something that has never happened before other than Jesus and never will happen again. But he had to be born that way. Jesus, the Son of God, had to come, not through the flesh, not through a man and a woman, but through the Spirit of God and through a woman so that he would be fully God and he would be fully man. He had to be fully God and he had to be fully man in order to be that, um, uh, that one who stands between God and us, the reconciler, okay, the mediator, the one who could live a perfect sinless life and could die so that we could have eternal life. He had to be that one perfect holy sacrifice. And so when we look at Christmas and we look at the manger, we see this little baby and we all love babies. And we see Jesus Christ, the Son of God, born there, but born to die so that we could live. We're going to have a hymn of decision. And I'm going to be at the front, and it might be that God has spoken to you, that you came to the realization that you've not trusted Christ. It might be that today you need to, to surrender to Jesus. You need to say, okay, I, I know this stuff but I don't have it here. I know it here, but I've never given him myself, my life. I'm going to be at the front to talk to you, to pray with you, to help you know Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you.